It's the Bradfield Weather Podcast, underwritten by McAllen Construction, a full-service construction company servicing the entire state of Connecticut for over 25 years. McAllen Construction, from the first dig to the last nail. I'm Dan Lavallo. He is Brad Field. And Brad, here we are putting this podcast together on Thursday, June 18th, and it certainly feels a lot like summer around here in Connecticut. The lazy, hazy, crazy days are here. There's no question about it, Dan. The jet stream has retreated about as far north as it moves up into Canada. Remember, the jet stream likes to uh, ride along the uh, boundary between the cooler air and the warm air. But it seems now that the lower 48 of the United States has been taken over by the warm air. So definitely we are in that summer-type pattern with little, if any, change from day to day. You know, we like to talk about the why of weather. What are the forces in play that have pushed that jet stream north? The fact that Saturday, Dan, is the summer solstice. The fact that the sun's rays on Saturday are going to be the most direct. They go through the least amount of atmosphere. So hence, we get the most warming from those rays. So we are at the warmest point of the year. That's why it's the astronomical beginning of summer. And we have those direct rays. We've got the ground getting heated up readily by the sun. Remember, 100% of our heat energy on the globe is caused by the sun. So uh, we've got the most direct rays on Saturday, and uh, you always point out the sunrise, the sunset. 5.15 is the sunrise now, Dan, and sunset is at 8.29. So we've got uh, many, many hours of sunlight. This is the time of year that it's kind of tough for a meteorologist, though, because there's really no weather feature to grab onto. You know, in the wintertime, um, when the jet stream is much farther south and it comes right through us here in the mid-latitudes, uh, mid what you, you can do is you can track a cold front. You can see it coming through Michigan, and then it moves into the, the western New York, and the temperature drops off 30 degrees behind that cold front. And then you time that cold front into Syracuse, and then it comes to the uh, western New England border, and then it sweeps across southern New England. You can grab onto it and you can track it. This time of year, with the jet stream so far to the north, it's hard to track anything. You get these little weak uh, perturbations that set up, uh, perhaps caused by a sea breeze front or whatever. But there's nothing that as a meteorologist you can seize onto and say, okay, I'm tracking this or I'm tracking that. So what we're looking at, uh, we've essentially got a ridge out in the uh, western Atlantic now, kind of the Bermuda High type of thing. We're getting into that southerly flow. So we've got humid conditions. We've got warm conditions. Overnight, it's kind of muggy and uncomfortable for sleeping. But as the temperature drops down toward the dew point and the atmosphere is saturated, you sometimes get the, the little mist and fog and some slight drizzle. And then that burns off and you have a, a, you know, a warm, hazy, hot day. So that's what I'm kind of looking at. I think a few 90s are in the forecast over the next uh, week or so. The temperature around 90 degrees. So we've got this pattern setting up, Dan, that is totally uh, 
summer kind of pattern is coming at the exact right time. But to be very, very honest, uh, you know, we could use a little rain. I'm not sounding any alarms or anything. We've, we've certainly had plenty of rain earlier this spring. But I was looking at the climatology, and uh, for Thursday, June 18th, which is when we're uh, recording this podcast, thus far this month, Dan, we've only had point, so in other words, zero, Point four two inches of rainfall at Bradley, so we could use some rain. Um, I noticed the the lawns a little bit in the neighborhood are starting to uh, get some brown interspersed with the green. So the lawns and gardens could use some rain, and it does look like we've got a little bit of shower and thunderstorm activity in our day to day forecast going forward. Okay, so we will uh, check uh, into that uh, in just a bit. But talking about weather and the why of weather, and you mentioned precipitation, there's a story that unfolded this week that could have some consequences on our weather, and that's this Sahara Desert dust cloud. What do you know about that? Well, uh, it's, it's interesting, Dan, and I thank you for sending me the article so that I could take a look at it, and uh, it's very interesting phenomena. And I wanted to point out to our uh, listeners today that I would be very, very happy if you would go to my social media uh, either later today, give me a little time to put it on there, or uh, absolutely by uh, by Friday, by tomorrow, we will have it on my uh, social media pages. And just remember, it's Bradfield and weather. So. You know, on Facebook, I'm at Bradfield Weather. On Twitter, I'm at Bradfield Weather, and so on. So if you want to go to my Facebook page, that's all you do. If you, you know, if you haven't liked Bradfield Weather on Facebook, please do so. And we'll have it all uh, posted on there uh, tomorrow. But there are some great uh, demonstrations and tracking. And it, it's so interesting now, Dan, um, that the, the satellite technology, and, and I am just absolutely amazed by satellite technology because, you know, we, we have the, the globe being uh, three-quarters covered by oceans and water and so forth and, and ice. Uh, but, you know, back prior to 1960, we never knew what was going on on three-quarters of the planet unless some ship happened to be passing somewhere and would uh, radio or telegraph back that, gosh, they just went through a bad squall and the uh, barometer dropped to a certain pressure or the, the wave height was a certain height. We would not know. So we were essentially blind for three-quarters of the globe but when it came around to uh, the Mercury and Gemini and Apollo missions and we started uh, launching satellites up into space where we could see what was going on on the globe, it is just absolutely amazing. And the cloud technology now is, is such that it can differentiate between, uh, for example, fog. And, and uh, uh, so, in other words, uh, cloud cover on the ground from from uh, cirrus clouds, from cumulus clouds. You, you can see it all from our view from space. And also, Dan, they have been able to track this dust cloud. And, and you know, you, you, you talk about the, the fires in the West. I know a, a, a brush fire is burning out of control in portions of Arizona right now. You can track the smoke. 
and, and from the Sahara Desert, you can track the dust. And it's caught in that intertropical convergence zone, and it's flowing uh, from Africa toward the United States. So in other words, it's moving from east to west across the Atlantic Ocean. But what that dust signifies is it moves to a level of the atmosphere where it's warm and it's very dry. So you've got the warm, dry layer uh, coming across the Atlantic. What that tends to do is it tends to suppress uh, the uh, ability for a tropical storm or a hurricane to develop. So it looks like this Saharan dust cloud, which is massive. I, I couldn't believe it when I was looking at some of the animations. It's hundreds of miles across, Dan. Uh, I would say it might even be close to 1,000 miles wow. across. But it is uh, moving across the Atlantic, and it's going to be no harm at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's doing a good thing, suppressing uh, tropical storm and hurricane activity. But one thing that I read that it can cause is spectacular sunsets. And when, when uh, especially uh, in the more southern latitudes, more like Florida and Texas, uh, they are getting some spectacular sunsets as the, um, as the sunlight, as it goes down at night, is reflecting off this dust in the high levels of the atmosphere. So um, maybe we can be looking on our social media, uh, Facebook pages and Instagram pages for our friends from Florida and Texas who are sending us some spectacular uh, sunsets over the next uh, several days. And if you happen to see one, um, I've got many of my friends who are retiring to Florida, for example, Dan, and <laughs> they make me jealous when they post their sunset pictures or whatever. So uh, I'm going to tell them, and now you all, our listeners, all Dan and Brad's listeners can say to their friends, do you know what caused that beautiful sunset tonight? Well, Brad told me it was because of a Saharan dust cloud that moved all across the Atlantic Ocean and is causing these uh, spectacular sunsets. So again, Dan, I just uh, request of our listeners that they give me a day or so. We'll get that posted up on uh, social media and you'll be able to take a good look. I want to talk a bit about McAllen Construction, underwriter of our Bradfield Weather Podcast, a full-service construction company servicing the entire state of Connecticut 24-7 year-round. In fact, they've been servicing the entire state for over 25 years. McAllen Construction is woman-owned, a small minority business, insured and licensed with the state of Connecticut. They're licensed as a major contractor, a new home construction contractor, plumbing and piping limited P7, home improvement contractor, subsurface sewage installer, and also utility, carpentry, and excavation. McAllen Construction even has snow removal when it snows for residents, commercial businesses, and state and local governments. Call McAllen Construction today at 203-758-3474. 203-758-3474. They are online at McAllenConstructionCT.com. McAllenConstructionCT.com. McAllen Construction. From the first dig to the last nail. As 
The Bradfield Weather Podcast is kind of thin today, Dan. There's not a lot of weather going on, actually, to be quite honest with you. So what I want to do is I want to turn the tables on you. You know just about as much about sports as anybody I know, except for maybe my oldest son, Kirk, <laughs> who also who also has a podcast. Yes, he does. Yeah, you should check it out sometime. It's called Playing the Field uh, with, with Kirk Field. And it's uh, it's on sports, and he uh, he is doing I mean an absolutely great job with it. Uh, he's had on some great um, uh, interviews. Um, he had Sean McFarlane on from the uh, Hartford Current recently, and Sean did a great interview with Kurt. Um, but I wanted to turn the tables to you, Dan, and ask you. You know that I uh, played baseball when I was back in high school and uh, did a little intramural in college, and I've been coaching baseball uh, most of my adult life. I just absolutely love the sport. And when I awoke this morning, I was a little bit excited when I read the news that player unions, uh, Tony Clark uh, and the MLB owners, and the commissioner may all be getting on the same page about a baseball season. What do you know about that? Well, I was more optimistic yesterday when the story initially broke than I am this morning. And initially when the story broke, it said an agreement was in place that they were going to have a 60-game season, the playoffs would be expanded, and that the players had agreed not to file any grievances against the owners seeking back pay or health-related issues. Turns out, none of that is the case. Even the commissioner had to admit that the framework for an agreement is in place. But the players quickly responded and said they have not agreed to not file any grievances against Major League Baseball in regards to back pay or health-related issues. So until such time as both those sides can get together on that sticking point, that's a big sticking point. In other words, the owners don't want to be facing grievances filed by the Players Association that's going to cost them upwards of a billion or more dollars in back pay to the players. The owners don't want that. So Am I optimistic? I don't know how to feel right now, Brad. I think the situation is still very fluid. My my sense is what is going to happen, because the players are getting paid fully now under this latest proposal, this framework, 100% of their salary on a prorated basis, in other words, a per-game basis. I think what's going to happen is, to get an agreement, the owners are going to have to say to the players, well, we'll play 70 games rather than 60 games or even 72 games so that the players can make some more money. In return, the players are going to have to agree not to file any grievances against Major League Baseball for the 2020 season. I think, in other words, we're still at a stage where the issues haven't changed, and that is the players want to play more games than what the owners are proposing, but the owners want to be assured that the Players Association isn't going to file any grievances against ownership. And until such time as those two areas are settled, I don't know about a baseball season. I, I think maybe they've taken a couple of steps forward, but 
uh, as presently constituted as what was proposed yesterday, I don't see any season starting. I, I think there still has to be movement on both sides. Oh, my goodness. I, um, I was a little bit optimistic, so I'll hold on to that little <laughs> bit of optimism, Dan, and hopefully they can work something out. But it's, it's truly disappointing as a fan because uh, even if, even if uh, you know, you don't want to see, I guess they always talk about, you don't want to see how the sausage is made. Um, and, you know, how they're airing out their grievances publicly or whatever. But it seems to me that hockey and basketball, even if they're having trouble, uh, they're keeping it behind closed doors. And, and what's coming out to the public is that, yep, basketball is going to go forward at, at Walt Disney World and whatever, and, and their playoffs are going to begin, and hockey has figured it out and so forth. But I have encountered a lot of... Uh, on social media and stuff, a lot of people very aggravated with baseball and the, and the owners and the players. And the word I keep hearing over and over again is greed. Um, I look back and I remember so vividly, Dan, after 9-11, how it brought back the country when they had that game, a World Series game at Yankee Stadium. Uh, the first game back after after 9-11, or one of the first games back after 9-11, and I remember um, President Bush throwing out that first pitch. It literally made you pop up with goosebumps all over your body, and it was like uh, it was like baseball helped bring America back. And you would think after what we're facing here with the the uh, the protests and the rioting and the COVID-19 and whatever, that maybe as patriots, they should give a little, both sides, and, and do this for the American people. I know every night uh, my wife and I sit down. We're not TV addicts by any means. I mean, mostly I, I have on sports occasionally, um, news quite a bit, and, um, you know, the, the occasional movie. Uh, that's about all I really watch on, on television, but it's so barren. There's, you know, I'm, I'm actually getting tired. I'm watching 1975, uh, <laughs> baseball games, you know, back when I was in my twenties and Carl Yastrzemski was playing left field. And I, I'm just a, a little tired of watching the, the old, old games now. And I'd, I'd love to see some, some baseball and, 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 you know, everybody's dying for sports. I mean, when Tom Brady and Peyton Manning went out there with Mickelson and Tiger, uh, I think that got like some of the best ratings that a sporting event has ever gotten. So people are just dying for sports. You know, the other issue is Dr. Fauci is out there saying baseball should not extend its season into October. He's very concerned about that because he expects a resurgence in COVID-19. So, again, if you're the players particularly, you have to consider the health aspects of all of this, Brad. Yes, yes. And, uh, and uh, as I uh, said before, and I, I certainly have great respect, um, and, and, you know, as we all do, I'm sure, for Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci and the, the hard job that they have um, and the computer modeling that they use and so forth, uh, just to slightly uh, track it in terms of being a meteorologist, Dan, I, I said to you, I think, offline that um, 
and I'm certainly not comparing COVID-19 to a big blizzard or anything like that, but if, if, if we see on our computer modeling, like maybe five days in advance, a major blizzard coming, and we, we go out there and we're using the computer modeling as our basis of our forecast, and we tell the folks they are braced and ready for a blockbuster major blizzard. And no matter what you do, you get new computer models in and everything that say, whoa, 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 we're not going to get a big giant blizzard. It's going to be like maybe a few inches of snow. It almost is like you cannot take it back. And I think, you know, even when those words get out there that 2.2 million Americans could die because of the COVID-19, you know, they can say that that was a computer model. They can say that would that would be without mitigation, without us doing the lockdown or whatever. But I think once the words are out there, you cannot get them back. Uh, that's just one man's opinion. No, I, I agree with you as far as that's concerned. Speaking of opinions and input, and I know we talked about this on last week's podcast, we welcome input from those who listen to the podcast. And one of the ways they can offer their input is by way of your Facebook page. And I guess you've gotten some Facebook input. What do you have? Dan, I got two. And I want to thank uh, this. This guy has been uh, one of my biggest boosters all along, and his name is Tim Logan. So, Tim, thank you. Uh, and, and his question, Dan, was to both you and me. And, um, you know, in this uh, COVID-19 times, uh, Zoom technology is, is coming to the fore. And uh, Tim was wondering if we would ever consider or could we do a Zoom podcast? I think that's a Your great technology- idea. You're the technology guy. you got to tell me if we can do that. Absolutely. We sure can. And I know that's among the things we've talked about is doing some uh, streaming, some live video, so that people could join in and ask questions. But we could certainly do that. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for that suggestion, Tim. And thank you for that very positive answer, Dan. Uh, another uh, person contacted me and her name is Terry Emmons, and uh, she said that you know that uh, she loved listening to you uh, when you were doing the the daily radio, Dan, and she loved watching me on uh, the, the the television. And she says she's 61 years old. I'm sorry if I gave that away, Terry. And <laughs> she said that uh, she's not going to change her ways now. She's so thankful for our podcast, and she looks forward to. Uh, hearing us every week. So uh, just uh, very positive for the podcast and the weather updates. And uh, just wanted to let you know, Dan, that Terry has great appreciation for our work. So um, what I wanted to do and Dan wanted to do is uh, ask the listeners to keep their ideas coming and uh, any suggestions that you have, uh, such as Tim with the, uh, the Zoom podcast, for example, uh, just let us know any questions you have for for me, weather-wise, or, or uh, for Dan and me on any topic. Uh, just let us know. Happy to uh, talk about it. Absolutely. Now let's get to our, our on-the-weather map feature, because I thought I heard you say at the beginning of the podcast, it's a real boring weather map. Dan, it's a, it's a truly summer weather pattern where... 
as I said before, and I can't stress this enough, the, the whole reason we get storms is the contrast between cold and warm, and the jet stream flows along that contrast. And uh, nine months out of the year, the jet stream is over us or under us or nearby enough that we are uh, getting a lot of storms. But when you get to the summer solstice, and the sun's at its highest uh, point uh, as it comes up to the Tropic of Cancer, and then it starts its southern retreat back toward the equator and the, the Tropic of Capricorn. We're getting the most direct rays of sun. The entire lower 48 is taken over by warm air, and the storm track is way, way to our north. So that's what's happening. The storm track is way to our north. There's nothing really to grab on. There are no big fronts or anything. So right now we've got a, a minor high-pressure area off Cape Cod and a low-pressure area over West Virginia. If you look at the morning weather map and the morning radar, Dan, you can see a strip of rain up into uh, kind of spiraling around that low in West Virginia coming into New Jersey. Uh, but I do not really see it making its way up into Connecticut, at least and not for a while. Now, by Friday morning, that weak low is still just over the mid-Atlantic states. Remember last week I said what we're stuck with, uh, we're, we're going to be stuck with, and that was some beautiful weather. And essentially, that high that I'm talking about off Cape Cod now, that was over Lake Superior last week when we did our podcast. So it's moved only a couple hundred miles. I think I could probably have walked as fast as the <laughs> high-pressure system has moved. It's moved from, like, the Lake Superior area to Cape Cod in a week uh, time. So uh, by, by uh, tomorrow morning, Friday morning, that the week low is over the mid-Atlantic. It continues over the mid-Atlantic on Saturday morning. Um, on Father's Day, which is... Uh, Sunday, and it's also the first full day of summer 2020, uh, we'll have the weak low pressure strung out from Maine to eastern Virginia. Uh, Monday, that weak low will be off Cape Cod. Um, Tuesday, a very weak front into western New England, south into the Carolinas. And uh, Wednesday, that weak front from Cape Cod uh, through the Carolinas. The whole point here, Dan, is there's really not much going on. The, the weak high offshore has a southerly flow in here, which is giving us increasing levels of humidity. And any of these weak little triggers, whether it be a sea breeze front, whether it be that weak front coming into New England on Tuesday or Wednesday, these can act as triggering mechanisms for a shower or a thunderstorm. So I think guess what I'm trying to say here is the pattern looks very summery, especially beginning on a Saturday where we finally are standing the chance of getting a scattered shower or thunderstorm, I think pretty much each and every day. So uh, uh, today, which is Thursday, uh, and, and tomorrow, uh, which is Friday, uh, we, we are probably going to stay largely dry. But I think beginning on Saturday and then Sunday, which is Father's Day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we stand the chance of a shower or thunderstorm each and every day. But that's a, that's a good thing, Dan, because we are a little bit short on the rain and the, and the lawns and gardens need it. And one thing that I'm going to add, too, 
Dan, I, I, I go off on these tangents and rants sometimes, but if, if you happen to have a weather app, you, you're going to see starting on Saturday a thunderstorm thing on Saturday, a thunderstorm on icon on Sunday, a thunderstorm icon on Monday, a thunderstorm icon on Tuesday, a thunderstorm icon on Wednesday, and you're going to think, holy mackerel, we are going into an awful weather pattern. But it's not. It, 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 it could be 23 hours of the day are rain-free, and you get a shower or thunderstorm for one hour a day, but that's the icon that the, the weather app puts out there. So I, I guess that's another reason to go to bradfieldweather.com on a daily basis and get the actual daily forecast. You cannot describe the weather in one icon. I just don't think you can do that. You are singing my tune for sure. I mean, that, that, that drives me crazy. You get these notifications, and what ends up is maybe a, a raindrop or two. That doesn't mean all the, notif- all the notifications are false, but the track record is something that uh, makes my blood boil sometimes. Anyway, it's, yeah. it, it's, it seems hard to believe, Brad, that here we are two-thirds into the month of June, Fourth of July weekend is just two weeks away, so look into your crystal ball. What does the weather look like as time seems to fly by? Well, we uh, we talked about it at the very top of the podcast, Dan. Uh, you know, the lazy, hazy, crazy days of summer, and they're here. And I do see on the crystal ball them staying. Uh, beginning next week, uh, around Tuesday, June 23rd, extending into Saturday, June 27th, uh, we've got a ridge in the west, we've got a trough in the Midwest, and we've got ridging off the east coast of the United States. So the fact that it's off the east coast means we are on the western side of the high, which means we are into the southerly flow which also means that we are into the more humid conditions. We've staved off humidity most of spring 2020. I would say the humidity has been under average, which is nice, I think, uh, during spring 2020. But I think that's about to start to change. Um, Next week, uh, we are going to see the core of the coolest air with respect to what's normal over Iowa, Wisconsin, Missouri, Illinois. It's going to be warm here. It's going to be humid here. And we are going to get our share of some showers and thunderstorms. Uh, The wettest region in this particular jet stream setup will be around Arkansas, western Kentucky, western Tennessee. Now, the next weekend, Dan, going into the beginning of July, so as we lead up to that 4th of July holiday, similar pattern. Uh, The ridge in the west, the ridge off the eastern seaboard of the United States, coolest in the middle, uh, places like Missouri and southern Illinois and western Kentucky will see the coolest temperatures with respect to average. Uh, The wettest weather will be Missouri, Arkansas, western Tennessee, but for us, it looks like somewhat above average temperatures. And again, today the average high is 80. This is Thursday, uh, June 18th. The average high is 80. The average low is 58. So I'm talking above average temperatures going forward between now and at least through the 4th of July. So that means I think it will be above 80 on a daily basis 
and probably only in the 60s for nighttime lows. So that really isn't all that comfortable. It can kind of be muggy and a little uncomfortable for sleeping. So I do see that. But the good news, Dan, uh, with the increasing levels of humidity, uh, obviously the the fact that we're going to perspire more and it's going to be kind of uh, muggy at night and so forth. But the trade-off is at least it looks like we'll be getting into some showers and thunderstorms. And it looks like that pattern will hold to the Appalachians in New England through at least July 10th. Okay, very interesting indeed. And uh, this helps uh, people make some plans anyway. Uh, that said, how about we put a ribbon on the podcast by giving us the immediate forecast? All right, Dan. Uh, for the remainder of this afternoon, uh, we will see a partly sunny sky. And again, the 80s inland uh, offset by the 70s at the Connecticut shore with a weak wind off the water. Uh, moderate levels of humidity across our state. Now, late at night, as the air temperature cools toward the dew point and the humidity rises toward 100%, we could see mist break out at 4, 5, 6 in the morning, 7 in the morning. Uh, you know, if you're driving somewhere first thing tomorrow, you might need your intermittent wiper to get the mist off the windshield. But then the, the clouds will burn off, and then we'll see partly sunny weather for Friday. Temperatures between 85 and 90 inland and 75 and 80 along the Connecticut shore. Now for Saturday, the first official day of summer, partly sunny, very warm, humid. There'll be a couple scattered showers and thunderstorms around, and it will seem like the first day of summer. Near 90 inland, but a fairly comfortable 76 to 82 at the Connecticut shoreline. On Sunday, Father's Day, happy Father's Day to all the dads. It'll be partly sunny, 80s inland, 70s at the shore, maybe again a scattered shower. Uh, Monday, partly sunny, a couple scattered showers. It's the same song and dance you'll be hearing here, Dan. <laughs> 80s inland, 70s at the shore. Uh, partly sunny on Tuesday, near 90 inland, uh, 76 to 82 at the shore. Again, a shower or two. Uh, Wednesday, partly sunny, near 90 inland, 76 to 82 at the Connecticut shoreline. So, uh, you know, you see we could reduce the, the actual forecast to uh, partly sunny, warm, and humid with a shower or two each day. That's what the forecast is. All right. Well, to uh, our uh, podcast audience, and uh, all, as you mentioned, uh, all the dads in the audience, and also to you, a happy Father's Day. We, as always, thank our first responders for the great job that they do every day. And uh, to you, Brad, again, happy Father's Day. And uh, you and Sandy and your family have a great weekend. Dan, thank you so much. And all the dads out there, and uh, we're we're heading out, the, the field family, and I'm, I'm happy to report that my oldest son, Kurt, and my youngest son, Connor, are going to be able to make the trip with us, too. We're going to be able to go out and see my 91-year young dad uh, out in eastern Massachusetts, and we are so looking forward to seeing him and uh, celebrating his day with him. That's terrific. Have Have a great time. Our Bradfield Weather Podcast, underwritten by McAllen Construction, a full-service construction company servicing the entire state of Connecticut for over 25 years. McAllen Construction from the first dig to the last nail.